We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. This is Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. I'm into our Twitter spaces here. If you're listening to us live, if you're listening to the audio version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get the Lakers Nation podcast, welcome into that. And well, we should appreciate all the ratings and reviews over there. We've got a lot to talk about today. A lot of things going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to have some guests coming on from LakersNation.com. And we're going to break down a couple of big news topics that came out this morning. A lot of them coming from our article by Sam Amick of The Athletic. Joining me first, we've got our own Sean Davis, who has now switched his, his Twitter uh, handle to please hire Darvin Ham. Sean, Sean, thanks for coming on here, man. What's up, Trevor? And yes, I would like to be referred as please hire Darvin Ham from here on out. That would be, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> So you are fully now on board the higher Darvin Ham train. This is this is your thing. If it's anyone other than Darvin Ham, will you now be disappointed? Depends. Like if it's Steve Clifford, then yeah, I'd be pretty upset. But I mean, if it's if it's anybody else that that I think is a potentially good coach, like if it was, I don't think this would happen. But if it's Adrian Griffin, I wouldn't be mad at it. But I am on the Darvin Ham train for sure. That's fair, and I'm coming around to that. I think that what we're seeing more and more is people around the NBA are are kind of you're starting to hear the whispers that hey, you know, Darvin Ham probably should have been a head coach already in the NBA. He's a really strong candidate on a lot of reasons. He's very well respected, and so I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that potentially over a retread candidate. And we'll look. We'll have plenty of time to talk coaches. I guess let's not bury the lead here. Uh, the Lakers not trading LeBron James and the coaching situation could ultimately be a factor here, but from Sam Amick of the athletic, the word word is that the Lakers, even if LeBron says, I'm not signing an extension. I want this to be a year to year thing. I want to hit free agency in 2023. They will not entertain trading him. Jeannie bus simply will not do that. What are your thoughts on that? Is that the correct path for the Lakers today? Should that be the decision? Well, I'm going to kind of beat around the question for a quick second. Whether or not you believe it's the right decision or not, that's, this is what the Lakers would do. Because we've talked about it a lot in the past. Matt's mentioned it as well. 
the Lakers are a team. They've they built this reputation for themselves to take care of their stars. And just trading LeBron because he didn't want to come back or he doesn't want to resign or sign the extension, at least not knowing if he'll come back or not. That that's like the most opposite of what the Lakers would do. The Lakers would say, okay, which is what they're reportedly going to do if he doesn't uh, sign an extension. He's extension eligible in August, I believe. If he doesn't sign, they're like, hey, okay, we'll work it out. We'll go through the season. If you want to come back, cool. That's awesome. We'll pay you. Um, if not, then thank you for your time. The Lakers are an organization where they won't just trade. Um, they they won't just trade their stars for no reason, and they they take care of their their superstars. Um, is it the right decision? Eh, maybe I've been saying, and we talked about it a little bit that like you, you can entertain like some like just small, um, like secretly entertain some ideas, like just see what the market value would be, and then you come back and say, okay, this isn't what we value him as, so we're just gonna keep him and write this thing out. But this is definitely what I uh, expected the Lakers to do, and it's no coincidence, in my opinion, that this is coming after. Uh, a major uh, media outlet yesterday, one of their personalities said that the Lakers should trade LeBron. So no coincidence that, that, that this is coming out the day after as well. Yeah, I think the, the timing is certainly interesting on that. Uh, joining us, we've got a, a guest here. We've got Billy Yang. Billy, how are you doing? And what, what's your take on the situation? The Lakers apparently being willing to go into the offseason of 2023 with LeBron hitting free agency and just going year to year. Uh, you know, I, I look at somebody like LeBron, and yeah, he brought a lot of fanfare. It is a star-studded town and city. We saw it with the Rams. We see it with the Lakers. We see it with the Dodgers and Freeman. But I want to ask you guys, if you could do it all over again for the one championship that was netted after all of this, uh, you know, LeBron and AD combo. I'm looking at teams like the Memphis Grizzlies, for instance, and even the T-Wolves. Seeing a lot of homegrown talent like we once had, if you were to do it all over again, wave of magic one, would you sacrifice that one championship to have the D'Lo, the B.I., the Lonzo, the Randall, Caruso team that we had, um, Kuzma, of course. Like, I, it's frustrating that we sacrificed so much for that one championship, and now we see we're so dependent on LeBron and AD. And when they don't cooperate, when AD's body doesn't cooperate, like what happened last year, the whole thing falls apart. Can I ask you a question right quick? Yeah. Because you mentioned the Timberwolves. Do you think the Timberwolves are ever going to win a title? Uh, that's a good question. I think With this group. I think Cat is the biggest wild card. I love Ant and all the potential that he brings to the team. And if they can surround Ant with the right talent, I think they have a chance, maybe five six, seven years down the line. But as long as Cat remains on that team and his knucklehead moves and uh, D'Lo even, I, I just don't see it. But, you know, the Grizzlies, absolutely. My point in asking that question was the Lakers won a title and look at, like, all the teams that haven't won titles ever or that haven't won titles in 50 years or whatever. Lakers won a championship. I'm Yes, I'm going to get that title. If it means trading B.I., D'Lo, everything that, the coup stuff, everything after the AD trade, maybe not, but what whatever you did to like lead up to get AD, I'm doing that all over again because you won a title. And if you ask any team that's never won a championship, you say, hey, you trade these eight players to get this player and you win the championship because of it, every team is going to say yes. So, yes, yeah. I would that all over again. Fair point. I just, maybe I'm a little bit influenced by the bubble title and how 
you know, it was about 60, 70% satisfactory, but there's that 34% that we missed out on because of a lack of parade and the fanfare that you know usually comes with winning a championship. Well, that's, that's certainly fair. And, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't get the parade, you don't get all of that. The, the viewership was down during the bubble. So maybe there wasn't quite as much recognition of the Lakers winning that championship. So yeah, we can feel a little bit cheated there. We didn't get to see them, you know, hoist the championship in, in Staples Center in front of a celebrating crowd as the final buzzer sounds. We didn't get to see all those sorts of things that typically you would associate with a championship. But let me ask you this, Don, just, and because maybe this is contributing to you thinking maybe it wasn't all worth it because you're, you're devaluing potentially the 2020 championship. But does any part of you, because you mentioned your, Billy, you mentioned how how much you enjoyed seeing those young players and having those guys around and was it worth trading those guys away is part of that, this sense that the Lakers and bringing in LeBron and bringing in Anthony Davis, all the players they put around them, rather than develop their own guys like D'Lo and Brandon Ingram, those were our guys, right? Those were the guys the Lakers drafted. We were watching them develop. Instead, they brought in mercenaries. Does that cheapen it at all in, in your mind? I just think we ceded too much power to LeBron. LeBron's very much a win-now guy, and so we kind of mortgaged our entire future to appease LeBron. And I think I think LeBron, I, I, I like LeBron. I don't love LeBron like I did with Kobe. So I do feel like it's a little bit, you know, it's very on-brand with L.A., right? L.A.'s a city with transplants, and LeBron's the biggest one of them all. So I, I just... Don't again. I'm saying that you know we ceded a lot to appease LeBron and you know vis-a-vis appease the city because we're a a city that's all about championships. But yeah, I I guess the love isn't quite there for this team. And Kuzma was kind of the final homegrown talent that we had that really connects. You know that we saw grow up and develop and mature with this team. So yeah, I, I guess the love isn't quite there as it would be had it happened with the with the OGs, the Lonzos and the Carusos and whatnot. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so to, so to put it back to our, our original topic here then, LeBron, if, if come August, he says, I'm not going to sign an extension with the Lakers. I, I'm going to instead go year to year. 2023, I'm going to hit free agency. We'll see how we do this next season and that'll determine you know whether or not I stick around for another season. Are you okay with that dynamic if you're the Lakers, or do you think that we should go contrary of this report that came out this morning, and you should, if you're the Lakers, start poking around on a LeBron trade if you don't get that commitment from him in August? Well, what are we talking about with LeBron? I know it's kind of unprecedented. We see it with Tom Brady year after year. He's performing at an all-pro caliber level, but how much does that translate to basketball? I guess is the question, and um, you know, for me, I don't like how he, uh, I guess, played the puppet master for Cleveland, for example, and signing the one year plus, you know, year in and year out and mortgaging some of the future for for the sake of, I mean, he could bolt at any time, um, you know, ostensibly for signing those short terms. So I, I don't like it. I don't think, I think LeBron should either commit or we should look into sending him elsewhere because this we have to start looking at long term a little bit, you know, like how this team will look three, four years down the line instead of mortgaging our entire future so that LeBron will be happy in this two to three year window. 
All right. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I certainly understand that and can see why fans have that kind of trepidation and are concerned about what can uh, what can happen here in the future. We're gonna we're gonna move on. But Billy, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, great takes. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Love your work. Thank you. All right. So, Sean, let me let me get to you with this. This situation with with LeBron, obviously the Lakers made the decision, according to this report, that they are not going to trade him. They're not going to move on from LeBron James. The nightmare scenario here, Lakers fans, and like Billy was just talking about here, uh, would be the Lakers go and do a bunch of stuff in July, maybe in June. You trade about future assets, whether that's future cap space, future picks, whatever it may be. In order to try to build a winner for LeBron right now, he doesn't sign the extension in July. He leaves, or I'm sorry, in August. He leaves next summer. And because you traded away all this stuff, you now no longer have the future flexibility that you would if you hadn't tried to build a winning team around LeBron this current offseason. So I'm talking about you give up future cap space in exchange for a team taking on Russell Westbrook. And then LeBron bolts in 2023. And next thing you know, you've got Anthony Davis, no LeBron, whatever players you got in the Westbrook trade, whether it's Gordon Hayward or whoever, and not a lot of cap room to work with. You don't have that flexibility that you would had you not tinkered with things this season. That's the nightmare scenario for the Lakers, for Lakers fans. Is it worth risking that to do everything you can to try to win this season? So I guess that's that's the question I'll pose to you, Sean. I'm going to say yes, and here's why. First off, the more and more I think about it, I think the Lakers have a good feeling that LeBron's going to resign. Because the more and more I think, because obviously the same the same Amic report, that's that his sources, I would imagine, is coming from the Lakers saying, we are not trading LeBron. That I think that's obvious. And I think the reason because of that is because they have a strong sense that LeBron is coming back. Because I don't know if they would put that out there, or maybe... If it's not that, they're just trying to reassure, hey, LeBron, that's not happening. Um, but also, that's why we, we've talked about with these Westbrook trades, that Hornets deal, the Hayward and Oubre deal, that's what makes that so enticing, not just because you get added wing depth, but because Gordon Hayward has two seasons left under, under contract, I believe, and then Oubre expires next year. So, hypothetically, if LeBron, let's say LeBron walks after next year, okay, Ubre's off the books, you already got rid of Russ, and Gordon Hayward is he has one year left. So he's an expiring contract. If you want to trade him, that you can you can get away with trading that contract because you're like, hey, look, expiring contract, here you go. Or you can just ride him out for one more year. So that's kind of what makes that enticing a little bit. Is why I know we're not really talking about rough trades right now, but I think that ties into the LeBron thing a little bit to where you say, all right, let's go all out. Let's go try to win. If you do that Hornets deal, let's say LeBron leaves. Okay, cool. We have one year where the contracts that we traded for are under contract. And then 2024, if you want AD still, then it's AD and cap space 2024. So I think you go all out for next year. And then depending on which deal you do for Russell Westbrook, you have AD and cap space for likely 2024. So I think you go all out for next year. So that, that's an interesting point, that if you are going to give up some of that future stuff, again, whether it's cap room, whether it's draft picks, maybe that you can kind of walk the line a little bit where you're not giving up a ton of future. Like if you take on Terry Rogier and you're worried about yeah. future flexibility, that's a problem. He's got four more years left under contract. I'm not saying he's a bad value, 
but maybe you want to have that room open in the future. If it's Gordon Hayward instead, okay, you're only adding an extra year. That's not as big of a deal. So maybe you can kind of walk that line if you're the Lakers. Joining us now, we've got LakersNation.com editor extraordinaire Daniel Starkand. Daniel, thanks so much for, for hopping in here and making some time. Uh, I don't know how much of the, the discussion you've heard here, but essentially we're talking about the Lakers and this decision that, according to Sam Amick, they've, they've made, the Genie Bus has made, that if they don't get a commitment from LeBron in August, they're not going to trade him. They're, they're going to be okay with the situation being year to year. And the quali- qualifier was that that is assuming the relationship with LeBron is still good. That is their main focal point is how is the relationship with LeBron James? If that's good, they think the contract situation will take care of itself. Do you agree with that situation or should they be poking around the trade market and trying to protect themselves in the event that LeBron gets ready to bolt in 2023? Yeah, Trevor, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'll say this is one of the rare times where I actually agree with the line of thinking of the of Genie and the Lakers front office. Um, t- to me, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to to trade LeBron James no matter what. The first reason being, you're just never going to get equal value. Like, I think maybe it's something worth considering. Like, if you could get some, like, crazy package with awesome young players and draft picks and all that. But I just don't see you getting that for LeBron going into the 20th you know, season of his career in the final year of his contract. That's also something to consider. Like any team that's trading for LeBron, you know, they, they would be doing some, you know, realizing they may only get him for one year. Um, so, so with all that being said, I just don't see you getting, you know, the package that would that would actually make me consider trading LeBron. Uh, to, to me, I, I kind of caught the, the end of what Sean said there. I'm with him. I think you just kind of have to go all in for this season hope that you know with a Westbrook trade or whatever you could find you you know you could get some sort of pieces that could get you back into contention you obviously got to hope that LeBron and AD stay healthy I think if they do they're still as good of a duo as anyone in the league it's just a matter of health with them so I think you kind of got to go all in for this year like the report said you got to hope that LeBron is is satisfied with the moves you know you make and and maybe that'll lead to him signing an extension or or at least saying, hey, we'll play out this season and then go from there. But to, to me, I don't think you're going to get you know enough value back in a trip that it's worth considering. Good points. Good points. And I think one of the things to keep in mind here, too, is, I mean, as you mentioned, you don't know exactly how much you're actually going to get from LeBron. And even if LeBron signs an extension, we're probably only talking about a year because he wants to be a free agent in 2024 when probably Bronny will be hitting the NBA and from all reports and from what LeBron has specifically said, he wants to play wherever Bronny is playing. And so most likely, that's going to be fascinating to see what happens in that draft when Bronny is in the draft and LeBron kind of comes along as a package deal. But uh, an extension for LeBron, we're probably talking about a one plus one. We're not talking about a four-year deal or anything like that. We're talking about a one plus one player option second year. So LeBron becomes a free agent instead of 2023, 2024, which, I mean, matters. Two years of LeBron compared to one year of LeBron. That certainly matters for a team, for an organization, from a financial standpoint, from an on-court standpoint. It it definitely matters. But we're not talking about, if LeBron doesn't sign the extension, a long-term deal versus, oh my gosh, he's going to walk away in a year. We're probably talking about he hits free agency one year earlier than if he signed the extension. If he doesn't. So I think that's something to keep in mind. I'm bringing on uh, Mr. Rowley 
who and I'm bringing you on for a couple of reasons, but first of all, you have in your profile picture and your header, you've got LeBron James. And so I guess my, my first question is, do you consider yourself a Lakers fan or a LeBron fan? And I think that I, I want to get some different perspectives here. So that's that's my first question to you. And uh, and also welcome on. Mr. Rowley, you there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's trying to find his Rolex. He, he's a little busy right now, Trevor. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought we were going to get a, a LeBron fan coming on there, and we were going to get that take there because he has LeBron in his in his header and his profile picture, but that's okay. <laughs> what? How do you think that, that changes the dynamic, Sean? If, if you're looking at this as a LeBron fan, because I, I tend to not look things through that lens, are you right now saying, yes, this is exactly how we want things to play out? Like, from the LeBron fan perspective, is this this is a good thing, right? Yeah, I, I think you would think so. If you're a LeBron, I'm trying to put myself in the LeBron's fan shoes for a second. I'm, I mean, I, I also think it depends on how optimistic you are. Like, if you're a LeBron fan and you think the Lakers could somehow turn this around, then yeah, sure. But if you think the Lakers are screwed for next year and the Lakers are going to waste LeBron's career next year, then they probably want. Uh, to be traded. So it depends on they have Matt the optimist, uh, Peralta's optimism, or Ryan's pessimism. So it depends on which uh, which side of the spectrum they land on. Uh, I'm bringing in now uh, Toddy. Welcome in. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing doing well. Doing well. What's, what's your take on this whole situation? Man, this past season was a, a disappointment. Uh, this morning season for the Lakers and um, you know, the Westbrook experiment hasn't worked. Uh, it seemed like uh, like every game they did, they didn't give it all their, their, what they had. And Frank Vogel, unfortunately, was the fall guy. So what do you think about potentially uh, uh, Lakers pick, potentially picking Mark Jackson as the head coach? Because he built the Warriors. That's an interesting, interesting one. And let's let me go to Daniel with this. I know you got some thoughts on it. Daniel, Mark, Mark Jackson as as a potential candidate. I feel like he's like on the verge of getting the King's job. Um, so it feels like that's the way the although I did see Mike Brown is interviewing with them uh, today. But if Mark Jackson is on the market and the Lakers decide that's the way they're gonna go, 
what are your thoughts on on that, Daniel? Well, first of all, if you're in the business of appeasing LeBron here and trying to make LeBron happy so he signs that extension, then I'd say that's probably not the worst move in the world because the reports we saw earlier this offseason is that LeBron wanted Mark Jackson. Um, me personally, he would not be my choice. Like, I, I think I heard, you know, we've heard enough from him on the broadcast that I don't, I don't know um, if he's you know, the most qualified candidate here. I like kind of, I like some of the other guys they've been interviewing, whether it be Darvin Ham. I don't know a ton about Adrian Griffin, but it's, you know, it seems that he's paid his dues over a decade as an assistant coach. So to me, there's, there's more qualified candidates out there. But if you are in the business of trying to make LeBron happy so he signs that extension, I definitely think, uh, you know, from what we've seen, he's he's open to that. Um, but but like you said, I, it, it's looking more and more likely like he's going to land the Kings job. So I don't even know, you know, Mark Jackson's a realistic option right now. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the challenge with that is he's probably going to get that Kings job. But uh, I'm in agreement with you, Daniel. I don't. I don't have him at the top of my list. I don't, there's a lot of, for whatever reason, Mark Jackson is very polarizing. People either completely hate him and dismiss him and think he's a terrible coach or they love him and think he is the solution to everything. And he will fix all of the Lakers problems. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Like I don't, I can't give him all the credit for the Warriors situation, but you can't give him none of it either. So I don't know how exactly I feel about Mark Jackson potentially being the, the head coach. I, again, personally, I would have, some other people higher on the list, certainly Quinn Snyder, Darvin Ham, those guys would be higher on the list for me. I mean, Nick Nurse, of course, if he was actually available, would be, to- be the top of the list. But the fact that the Lakers are interviewing Adrian Griffin probably suggests that they indeed couldn't get an interview with Nick Nurse since Adrian Gr- Griffin is an assistant under Nick Nurse. But in any event, I mean, he's an interesting candidate. I've been I've had the take all along of you need to interview everybody. You need to leave no stone unturned, whether it's Mark Jackson, whether it's Scott Brooks, whether it's whoever, if it's Terry Stotts, I don't care whether the guy has a positive, negative reputation around the NBA. You give him an interview, you, again, you explore all options, cast a wide net, and then you try to make the best decision from there. So I would be perfectly fine with the Lakers considering Mark Jackson. I don't think he's the guy that I would ultimately land on if the Lakers have the choice, which the last time they hired a coach, they didn't get their first or second choice. Instead, they wound up with Frank Vogel instead of Monty Williams. Or Ty Lue. but uh, Toddy, back back to you. How are you? How are you feeling about LeBron and whether or not he'll stick around with, uh, with the Lakers? Um, I uh, he's not. He's probably not going to sign an extension right now. I think he wants to wait and see how they do this upcoming season, in which he'll pass Kareem as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Um, if if he decides to leave, then uh, power to him. Uh, very grateful for. This time with the Lakers, he brought us the championship and the most difficult year in the history of the franchise. So you got to appreciate him while he's here. So, yeah, that's where I stand, LeBron. I hope he stays, resigns for the Lakers, for the, uh, stays for the Lakers for the rest of his career. But, you know, that doesn't always happen in this business. So we'll see what happens. I just want to add on to Daniel's point really quickly about Mark. I, I'm, a, I'm apparently a Mark Jackson hater, but uh, I, I think, Mark, if you're plucking the same coach from Golden State, I'll say pass. Um, I want more fleet-flowing motion offense for the Lakers next year, and that's just not what he provides. That's certainly fair, and that's that's something that we haven't really seen from the Lakers in a while now in terms of 
having an offense that has a lot of motion to it. We've seen a lot of stagnation, and that's certainly been a po- point of frustration of mine and uh, and a lot of other Lakers fans. But, Tati, thank you so much for, for coming on here and joining us. We are going to move on, but appreciate you coming on here. All right, you're welcome. But, again, like, Mark's a good coach. I mean, like, that system he ran at Golden State gave Stephen Clay a lot of confidence, but, I mean, you don't need to give LeBron James or Anthony Davis confidence. You need have a good all-around system around them where you can move the ball and not rely on those two guys to set up every single action. And that's what I would expect from Darvin Ham. Quint Snyder's still been thrown around there, but I doubt that's happened. So my answer, like Daniel was saying, would be no to Mark. All right, a number of options out there for the Los Angeles Lakers right now on the coaching market. Interesting that it really feels like they are they're playing this very, very slow, and it's led to some speculation that they might be kind of waiting to see how some of the coaching situations fall out after the playoffs. A lot of people point to Doc Rivers. What happens if 76ers go out in round two, which is what it's looking like is probably going to happen, particularly if Joel Embiid is not back in action for them. So, Daniel, what are your what are your thoughts on the way the Lakers are approaching this? Like, are you surprised that they aren't moving faster in the hiring process? It feels like the Kings are well, well ahead of the Lakers right now in terms of actually getting a coaching hire done. Is this the right move, playing it slow for the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like the Kings are moving a lot faster here. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing that the Lakers are taking their time. I think you want to interview, you know, as many candidates as possible, get some different perspectives. Because also, I mean, not only from from what we've seen with the Lakers in the past, like they're not only looking for a head coach, but they're looking for assistance as well. Like we know that they like to kind of give their input to to whoever the head coaching candidate is. So you know they're interviewing a number of guys who could end up being head coaches, who could end up being assistants, who who knows could you know might end up being nothing, but maybe down the road you take another look at them. Like that's Darvin M is a good example of that. Like he interviewed for the Lakers head coaching job, you know, the last time around didn't get the job but here we are a few years later and they're cycling back to him because they've already built that relationship so uh, I think the interview process is very important I think you know the more candidates the better as far like there's nothing bad that could come of interviewing a guy um, I think compared to previous off seasons like there's not a ton of competition like usually there's five or six head coaching jobs open right now as of now there's only three it's just the lakers the kings and the hornets so and and from what we've seen with the kings their finalists are mark jackson steve clifford and steve clifford sorry and and mike brown i don't think the lakers have a ton of interest in any of those guys so it's not like they're competing and they need to get an offer out there real quick so i don't have a problem with them you know taking their time doing their due diligence Joining us now, we've got we've got LakersNation.com's Ryan Ward. Ryan, I'm sure you've got got some thoughts on this situation. How how do you feel about the LeBron dynamic right now with LeBron and his contract situation, and uh, and we're also getting into the coaching search a little bit here. Um, I would say with the coaching search, I don't like Daniel said. You know, like the this slow process. I don't really think it matters. There's no like real home run hitter out there that you're dying to get, right? Except for like Nick Nurse, and that ain't happening. So, like, what what is the point in rushing, right? Um, unless you're trying to um, convince LeBron to sign that extension or something, and he wants somebody in particular. I think what was it floated out there that that he wanted Mark Jackson, which I thought was <laughs> kind of comical. 
<laughs> I was like, really, dude? Um, I I don't think I think the, there's a reason why Mark Jackson hasn't had a job since the Warriors. I don't I don't I don't think he's particularly easy to work with, and I don't know if he's that great of a coach, to be honest. So um I think that's why he's been unemployed. It's not because he's picky. Um it's because teams just don't aren't sold on him. That's my guess. I don't know for sure, but that's what I would say. But with LeBron, I don't know, man. Um I think it's one of those tricky situations where you could just be left with nothing, you know, and he just walks off and joins somebody else and does what he's, what he's done uh, pretty much everywhere he's gone. You know, he just leaves without giving them anything. Um, and the Lakers could just could be stuck, you know, with a really long rebuilding process. Again, if they don't get anything in return for him, I mean, especially if he says I'm not signing, like you got to think that he's already, you know, working on his exit. So, I, I, but I don't know. I mean, it's tricky because then you're going to be the team that traded LeBron James, you know, and that's, that could go both ways too. You could get burnt really bad. And then that could, you know, that stain could last for a long time too. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, me, me personally, I say move him, you know, if you, depending on what you get, like what packages you're going to get, because like, what is this team going to be next year? How much better could they possibly be? You know? Um, and if you're stuck with Westbrook and, and AD continues to get hurt all the time, I don't know. It's just, it's tricky. It's I think the, the margin for error is so small here. Like they, they could, this team could really be screwed for a while if they just make even the smallest mistake. So I, I don't know, man, it's just tough. I would not want to be Palenka right now. Oh, I've been, I've been saying that. For weeks now, but saying they have to bat a thousand this offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just they can't have. There's no margin for error. They can't have any any mistakes this offseason if they're going to fix this. It is it is going to be very difficult because they're not even starting at a place where they're neutral. They're starting at a place where they they're at a negative. They've dug themselves a hole, and you have to fix the problems from last season and then try to build a team. So that's going to be the challenge for the Lakers this offseason. Like you said, Rob Palinka, difficult spot to be in. Difficult spot to be in for Rob to try to to alleviate the issues we saw, which we're talking about mostly Russell Westbrook, while still putting together a roster that can compete for a championship and give LeBron the opportunity to win another one that he so badly wants. I mean, for LeBron, there's got to be some degree of frustration here too. He turned in arguably an MVP caliber season and was on a team that couldn't get the job done, that couldn't get there. Now, again, part of that, he's certainly involved in the decision-making process, and he's certainly part of, maybe even the majority of, the reason why Russell Westbrook wound on the Lakers, went up on the Lakers, which is part of the reason why we saw this team fall short. So I'm not saying LeBron's blameless here, but he has to have a great little concern about what this team's going to look like moving forward. And so I understand if he doesn't want to fully commit to the team right now until he sees what they do, but again, that just puts even more pressure on Rob Blink. Get it right this offseason. I've been saying it for a while. This summer, this is going to be the most important offseason we've seen for the Lakers in quite some time. Not just because of the moves they have to make, but the future capital that could be on the market here that they could be dealing. The decisions they make this summer are going to have far, far-reaching ramifications for this franchise. So we'll see what ultimately happens here with the Lakers and the decisions that they make. Uh, Sean, let's let's go back to you on this. 
what are your what are you thinking about the Russell Westbrook situation? Let's jump to that because again, from Sam Amick's excellent report this morning, uh, he threw out the idea, and it was mostly him kind of positing this: the idea that Russ, the organization, might see this situation as Frank Vogel was supposed to get Russell Westbrook to click with the Lakers. That was his job, and that was part of the reason why Frank Vogel is no longer a Laker. And Sam also then jumped to this idea that if that's the case, then perhaps the Lakers will look at the situation as a new coach might solve the problem and thus bringing Russell Westbrook back is a possibility. What are your thoughts on that? Please no. Like, that, that, that's the most. That's the most Laker thing ever. Um, I, I think like that's a good last or like worst case scenario option. Like if you're the only offer on the table is John Wall for Russ, then sure maybe. But um, no, 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 no. The fit does not work. Russ was really. Russ was really really bad last year. Uh, no, please do not bring him back. That'd be the most Lakers thing ever. Um, I, oh, man, no. I've got uh, Matt the Optimist joining us. Welcome in, Matt the Optimist Peralta. From Matt, Lakers give Nation. me some optimism, please. <laughs> we, need, we need a little bit of optimism. Uh, what do you got for us, uh, Matt? I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic that this offseason is going to be nuts. It's <laughs> really all I got. That's not what I wanted to hear. It's really but, all I yeah, got. I'll take it. I mean... I, I, I know, I know we were just talking about the Amic, the Amic report about Russ, and honestly, I feel like it could go either way at this point. I feel like a lot of the Russ decision will come down to who they hire as a head coach and whether or not they think that they can make it work, but maybe, maybe that's to be given the front office and whoever they hire too much credit. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tough spot to be in. I I put this out. I put together a video this morning. It'll be published in a little while where I was talking about, about this Russell Westbrook idea. And I threw out that. If you're the Lakers, as, as unsettling, like I think the majority of Lakers fans want to see Russell Westbrook playing somewhere else next season. They want him not in a Lakers jersey next season. But if you're a Lakers fan and you want to see the Lakers not get fleeced in a trade involving Russell Westbrook this summer, isn't this the exact narrative that you want out there? That the Lakers are not desperate to trade him? Isn't that it? Could this just be a, a leverage play here? I'll open that up. Well, let's go to Daniel. What do you what do you think about that? Because that was my takeaway from that story. If I'm trying to read between the lines, uh, I think it definitely could be a leverage play. But I also think at the same time, like I don't think other teams are buying it. Like I think they understand, you know, the circumstances here, and and they understand that, you know, kind of with the LeBron conversation we just had. Like, you, if you're the Lakers, you probably can't go into next season and just kind of run it back with Russ and hope a new coach is going to change things. Like I thought, I thought that report this morning was kind of silly just because like, I'm not, I'm far from a Frank Vogel defender. Like, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to Westbrook, like Vogel 
tried everything humanly possible to get him going. Like he went with, he gave him, he had a lob threat there. He gave him a smaller lineup with shooting. He put LeBron at center, which wasn't to, you know, necessarily to maximize LeBron. That was to open up some more spacing for Russ. And so he tried everything and, and seemingly none of it worked. So I, I don't think you could just kind of run it back with Russ and a new coach and hope that's going to solve everything. And I think other teams understand that. So uh, the Lakers could try all the leverage plays they want, but I, I still think, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to find a trade for Russ that's going to work, you're probably have to you're going to have to include either one or both of those future first round picks that you can trade. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, the Lakers have to try, and I, I don't know for sure that's what this is, but that part of that is maybe me hoping that uh, the Lakers don't really think this. This is just a leverage thing. They're they're just trying to get one over on the the rest of the NBA, trying to change the narrative a little bit. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my, on my part. Um, I think it is possible that that is really what they think, that they really think that it's just, it was Frank Vogel, and if you bring in a different coach, you'll get a different outcome. I don't agree with that. I think, like Daniel said, Frank Vogel tried everything you possibly could from LeBron <laughs> at center, Russ on ball, Russ off ball, Russ on the court, Russ on the bench. All these different roles. You tried just about everything you possibly could. 41 different starting lineups trying to figure out something that would work. And it just never clicked. And it makes sense because on paper, it doesn't work. On paper, Russell Westbrook playing with LeBron James does not work. And that's what we saw play out on the floor. So I don't think the Lakers can really go into this offseason thinking maybe we can bring Russell Westbrook back. And I'm hoping that what this report was was more of a leverage situation. But like you said... Most teams, if Rob Palenka, if this story comes out and Rob Palenka at three o'clock today calls up a team and says, hey, did you guys see that report? Yeah, we're not totally sold on moving Russell Westbrook, but um, what would you guys give us? The other, they know, they know what's going on there. They know what's, what's happening. And I don't think Russell Westbrook's trade value is going to change much, even if the narrative does start to shift around him. Uh, Ryan, I know you are the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. Is there any chance, any way at all, that the Lakers can bring back Russ next season and have that be a, a good thing? Like I've said many times before, drugs are bad. Um, front office. Great parenting, Ryan. Right? Have you said that many times? Many great, times. Great parenting. He said to me. Yeah, I have. Yep. Uh, that's why he's so positive now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if you convince yourself that Westbrook can do anything different under somebody else, something's seriously wrong. Something's seriously wrong. I mean, the guy has no accountability whatsoever, so he doesn't really listen to anybody. And another voice coming in is going to change something, especially somebody. It's not going to be a big name, most likely, right? So they've got to earn respect just in a coaching uh, aspect anyway, right? Say if it's a first time or like ham or, or Griffin, um, like how's that going to work? Like, it's just insane. This is more insanity. This is more like, what the hell are you guys thinking? Please don't be, I hope this is not right. I hope this is just some BS being flowed out there because, because wow. Otherwise just wow. And I had uh, Mark Medina on the show yesterday, and he covers, he obviously covers the Lakers very closely due to his proximity and all that kind of stuff. And he used to be a Lakers beat reporter back in the day. But 
he had the exact same take as as Ryan here, saying that the accountability issue being a, a problem and and all of that. This isn't just Ryan hating sitting through Russell Westbrook's pressers, which I mean, that's, yes, that's it is. That, that was that was. I mean, that's a, probably a factor here. That's a grind. That's a grind. But still, even you've got national NBA reporters who are saying the same thing. Like there, there's accountability issues here. There's all kinds of other problems. This isn't just. This isn't even just an on-court fit problem that we're talking about. This is personalities, chemistry. This is willingness to adapt. All of these things. But you know what the saddest in- part is? Is it's so damn obvious. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious. If you just pay attention, it's obvious. There's no. You don't have to like read between the lines or like dig deep. It's right in front of your face. I don't. I don't get how it can't be seen. You know, unless you're blinded by fandom right like and you just that's and i think a lot of people are when it comes to westbrook but um it's just dude the guy is not going to admit that he needs to change up his game especially on this team i mean maybe he goes somewhere else you know another small market team and he blows up again and he's averaging triple doubles because that's obviously the most important thing right um then it changes but that's not changing here this he has to get in line and realize that he needs to change his role or at least adapt to what's around him or it's, or it's going to be the same thing all over again. It could be worse, you know, and it could get to the point where LeBron's like, screw this, get this guy out of here before trade deadline. You know, I can't do this anymore. You know, his frustration has to be at an all, all time high. And even though LeBron's saying like, well, it's the best time of my life. And he's, dancing around with a tequila ball in his hand and, and videos and stuff. Basketball, he must be frustrated as hell. Right? <laughs> Te- tequila solves a lot of problems, though, Ryan. So if uh, <laughs> after this season, that, that is definitely a way to to potentially solve the, the problems that we saw this year for the, the Lakers. But uh, to the, the larger point there, yeah, I mean, and that's really the scary part. It could get worse. I've been saying this is the worst season ever relative to expectations for the Lakers. The fan experience was awful. The emotional roller coaster was awful. Even the game-to-game narrative was brutal to sit through these games knowing that the Lakers were going to, at some point, find a way to lose a number of these games. It was frustrating to sit and watch, but knowing that next season, we look at this and we say, okay, this is rock bottom. It can't go any lower. Well, just like it is with, with stocks, where when you look at, at the stock market and you say, okay, this can't go any lower. If you've seen what's going on with the stock market today, you go, oh, yes, it absolutely can go lower, just when we think it's not going to. So that's the scary part. If you don't make a move with Russ, you can't look at this past season and say, oh, well, this was, this was the floor. Another season, it's going to get better. Maybe it will, but that's not a guarantee that it gets better from here. Um, I do want to just really quickly, not to derail things too much, but really quickly, we've got a little bit of breaking news. Dylan Brooks suspended from game three. I know this was a controversial play. Um, Our our guy, former Laker Gary Payton II, uh, fractured elbow on the play. What are are our thoughts? I'd like to go through you guys here. What are your thoughts on the the suspension? Was this the right call for the NBA? So just quick take here. Uh, Let's start with Matt the Optimist. Uh, I think it's the correct call. Um, obviously, it was not a great foul in real time, and then on the replay, it looked even worse. Uh, I feel bad for Gary Payton in the second. Um, also, a guy I'm really interested in as a free agent this summer, but separate conversation. Um, and yeah, I don't like Dylan Brooks, so awesome. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daniel, what do you think? You think it was a uh, just suspension here? Uh, I th- I think it should have been longer. I think it was a dirty play from a dirty player, and obviously it resulted in an injury. I think what what is Gary Payton going to be out like three to five weeks or something? That could be the remainder of the postseason. So uh, I, I I personally I I th- I know there's people out there saying like he should be suspended as long as the guy's out. For, you know with the injury I, I i don't think i'd go that far but i definitely i think they could have given him you know justified giving him two or three games um and and honestly you know the, the way brooks has been playing I, I don't think you know him being suspended is the worst thing in the world for memphis he has not been very efficient that's for sure uh ryan your your thoughts on dylan brooks suspended for game three i i mean it yeah i would say it's the right move i mean i didn't think I, I mean, I watched it from a different angle, and I was like, it was one of those plays where you're like, oh, that doesn't look so bad, like from straight on with them coming at you. But then you look at it from behind, you're like, damn, he, he's whacked his head, right? Um, and then how hard, you know, Peyton went down. So, yeah, I guess one, I mean, maybe two, or maybe maybe the whole series, right? Like, it's like suspended for the whole series for something like that. I mean, I don't know how you just dissuade players from – be physical in the playoffs. I mean, if anything, we see, especially that series, I mean, that next game was like all physicality. Oh, wow. And Draymond just got, just got fined 25 grand for middle finger, <laughs> which I thought his I comments were amazing. You knew that was a he could afford it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. What did he say? I make 20, I'll make it five million. And, uh, and I'll pay it off. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was brilliant. I love that. Oh, wow. There's more breaking news, kind of, in the basketball world. Ed O'Neill to play Donald Sterling. Wow. Whoa. That's going to be kind of crazy. <laughs> oh, yikes. Wow. Al Bundy to play Donald Sterling. Oh, my gosh. And what is that? I, I don't see. I don't have my – because I'm hosting the show. I don't have my Twitter open. For, for, is that for the next season of winning time? What are we talking here? Um, that's the FX limited series uh, about the disgraced LA why, Clippers why, owner. Why would, the, why would the Clippers have a winning time series, Trevor? No, I'm talking about <laughs> Come on, because, Trevor. I'm talking. I'm not talking about focusing Clippers on. I'm talking about the next season of winning time because, well, I guess they already had they already had Donald Donald Sterling in winning time, but he's a character in that in that show. So I was curious about that, but. Yes, yeah, so it would not. The title would not be the same if it was the Clippers. It would no longer be winning time. What would be the title? Uh, I think Lawrence Fishburne is playing uh, Doc Rivers too. Oh, interesting. It's going to be. It's, you know, FX does a good job with these things. These limited yeah. series. Hopefully, that'll continue. Uh, Sean, final thoughts. Dylan Brooks suspended game three. Oh, it's the right call for sure. And it was something that the NBA had to do. Um, yeah, and I know you guys were talking about two games or whatever. Three games, I, I, you kind of draw the line there personally. 
but anywhere from like one to two game suspension, I think it's the right call and the league acted diligently with this decision. And uh, it sucks. Gary Payton has such a good playoff run for them. He's been such a valuable player for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious to see how they try to make up his loss because he's not going to score really, but it's just his cutting, his defense, obviously. So I'm curious to see how they make up that. Pool party, baby. We, de- we definitely saw they had some trouble uh, defending Jaw after after he went down. You know, four yeah. points. Mm-hmm. They could use someone Pat Bev to to, to help there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Uh, it'll be Clay. Clay not playing all that yeah. well either. That that doesn't help. I I still think the Warriors get through the series, but. I think without, I, I think we saw how integral Gary Payton the second is, and like you said, I mean, that, that was an airborne player, that was a, I thought a malicious act by Dylan Brooks. I think he knew what he was doing, and if he if he said I was trying to play the ball, he went through the guy's head to get there. You know the way the NBA is officiated today. You know what the rules are regarding contact to the head. You knew he was going to be kicked out of the game as soon as you saw it. It was shocking. I mean, it was. One of those moments where, where when you saw the correct angle, you instantly went, oh, he's ejected. He's gone. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way they can keep him around. But then did that ultimately help them win game? Because Gary Payton II wasn't there to defend John Morant, and he blows up. I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of a gross situation. And I lean more towards, I think you keep Dylan Brooks out for the series. I think that's that's where I'm at. Because it, it, does, it could potentially swing the series. If John Morant now averages 40 a game because the Warriors don't have anybody can stop them anymore that that's a big play and that should rob them of dylan brooks longer but like daniel said maybe that actually helps the grizzlies because brooks has not been very effective this season you said it best trevor i think you tweeted out when it happened uh because a lot of people are saying well what about this or what about this situation or whatever but the they should really be focusing on what happened in that moment and that doesn't excuse what dylan did so i think you worded it best and um yeah, I mean, maybe it does wind up helping Memphis because Dylan hasn't been able – he hasn't been shooting the ball well at all this postseason. So, But I thought I just thought you worded it the right way. Oh, that was because I had so many people saying, oh, but what about Draymond? Because yeah. Draymond did this and Draymond did that. And that, and that. Like, really, that's we're, – we're resorting to whataboutism. And, I mean, that specific play, you just look at that and you knew – what it was you knew it was a, a ejection worthy offense you knew there was probably a, more, a longer suspension coming and i don't think you just go oh well you know what the guy fractured his elbow but draymond did a few things a few games ago or a few years ago or whatever play you want to reference so therefore now nah, okay no nah, it's all it's all good draymond did some stuff so it's okay that Dil- dylan brooks did this no nah, i'm not i'm not here for that argument Andrew Bynum destroyed J.J. Barrera in the air. <clears throat> Do we not remember, remember this? Uh, oh, I, I remember that. I remember. What happened to him? I can't remember if he got suspended or not. He got suspended think... the first game the following season, I remember, if I think. Um, that's, that, that's, if that's correct, I think. That's such a lame suspension. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, that, was, that was, what, 10 years ago now? I mean, yeah, you, you couldn't you couldn't uh, suspend no him for longer. the next game because the Lakers got swept, you know. So, but I don't I don't remember the same kind of outrage though. It's kind of crazy how ten years can change that. Um, like I mean, everybody was like, "Oh my god, that was crazy when it happened," but it was like it didn't carry over. I don't was, remember was Twitter people. like still Twitter though. No, no, it was the beginning of Twitter, I think. Right? Yeah, right around then. But I mean, yeah. 
like the pre, pre- everybody thinks of the Rambus clothesline, like that. It was just it was a different era. We we had different rules, and that and that's the way or it like was. And Parish and Lambier, like throwing yes. punches, and they both stayed in the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's insane if you think about it, it was, now. It was a very different time. That's that's for sure. Very different time during during that era. Oh my! Well, let's let's get back to back to what's going on here with with the Lakers again. We had the two reports. We had the LeBron situation. And we also had. Everything going on with Russell Westbrook. Could the Lakers actually try to keep him? We and we talked at length about both of these things. I guess let, let's finish up with with this. Uh, we'll go to each of you guys on on this one. What do you ideally want to see the Lakers do? What, how do you want to see the Lakers play this? Because I think we've had a situation where for multiple off seasons now there have been a lot of question marks about the moves the Lakers have made, whether they're the right moves or not, particularly this past offseason. The one before, I think a lot of people were giving Rob Lincoln credit for getting Dennis Schroeder. We know it didn't work out, but getting Dennis Schroeder, getting Montrezl Harrell, Matt the Optimist guy, Wes Matthews came in, Mark Gasol came in. There was a lot of credit there. But now the Lakers front office seems to be on, on pretty shaky ground where there's not a lot of confidence in them. So starting with Sean, what does the ideal offseason look like from you? Like what would restore faith in the Lakers front office the most in terms of the moves they can make? You start off, the first thing they got to figure out is who they want to be the next head coach. And I think we all know based off my name at this point, uh, who I want to be the next Lakers head coach. uh, I mean, Trevor, would you do it with me? I'll only do it if Trevor does it too. Say it, say it again. What is it? Matt said I'm the next head coach. I said, nah, I'll only he said based tra- on your name. So, oh, yeah. Trevor's <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, you, you hire you hire your head coach. You have him because in my opinion, the head coach should have some say in the roster personnel. Because I mean, we saw this year the roster was terrible. Frank Vogel got blamed for not getting the job done with a terrible roster that did not fit his uh, schemes at all. So you hire your head coach so you can have him help build out the roster to a certain extent. Um, you trade Russ, ideally for that Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon package, especially if you can work out a, an extension with LeBron James. And then you go from there. You get maybe a UDFA that has some upside potential. You go get a guy like an Otto Porter Jr. with your tax pyramid level. You get another big Damien. Like the late, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic than some Lakers fans about this off season. Granted, they have to bat a thousand, like Trevor said, but I don't think it's ridiculous that they can bat a thousand. But they have to start off by getting the head coach who's uh, currently coaching the playoffs right now. So, all right, Matt, the optimist. What? What? How do the Lakers restore faith in this front office this off season? Oh man, Sean, it must be good to to be young and and not disillusioned yet. Um, <laughs> Matt, you're no, the optimist. I, I know. Um, no, I actually kind of agree mostly with Sean. Um, I feel like when the Lakers hire someone like Darvin Ham, that'd be my choice as well. Uh, ideally, he brings Wesley Matthews with him, you know, continuity's sake and for my own sanity. Uh, <laughs> on a serious note, I can get behind that. On a serious note, though, I think being Russ for multiple players has to be in any deal. I don't think they can do a John Wall kind of deal because I think the Lakers are going to be strapped to round out the roster anyway. So getting two, maybe three guys, even if it costs you long-term money, I feel like is worth it just to to round out the roster with guys that can play actual minutes. 
Um, and then I'd like to see them, you know, retain the young guys. Um, I don't think it's a question at this point that they should keep some like Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel. Um, I don't think they should play major minutes next season, but I think that they can round out your bench 100%. Um, they do, you know, I'd say even two out of three of those things, I feel like I'd feel pretty decent about the, the team prospects. Not like great, but definitely a lot better than where they are now. Daniel, what do, what do you think? What what can restore this confidence in this Lakers front office? Yeah, my answer might sound boring and, and kind of repetitive to these guys, but I think I think it all kind of surrounds on what you're getting in a potential rush trade. Like, are you getting are you getting guards like like Heald and Brogdon, or are you getting wings like Hayward and Ubre? Um, so so I guess the rest of your roster building kind of depends on how that goes. But but to me. I don't think trading LeBron or AD are realistic options, so I'm not even going to suggest that. So I think think you got to trade Russ, and I and I think you know as far as building the rest of the roster out, I think you need youth. I think you need athleticism. I think you need shooting. I feel like shooting is something the Lakers always lack. Like even when it seems like they pick up some shooters, they wind up having you know down years or whatever. So I don't know if that's a curse or what, but you need to get some shooting. As we've seen throughout LeBron's entire career, he thrives when there's shooters around him. So you need wings, you need shooting, and, and who knows, maybe maybe that coupled with you know LeBron and AD staying healthy for a year could kind of get this team back into contention. All right, fair enough. Ryan, to you. Trade them all. Trade them all. <laughs> and he's not joking either when he's No, that. he's definitely not. <laughs> LeBron, no, LeBron I'd and say, AD for Dame. All right. What's up? I said LeBron and AD for Dame, right? That's that's always been the goal here. <laughs> Maybe one of them. Maybe one of them for Dame. But um, I guess Ryan, I got a question for you then, because since you're you're kind of the one saying trade LeBron, would you trade just LeBron and keep AD, or do you trade them both? I think you got to kind of trade them both. I think it. I mean, if you're trading. One of them, you got to kind of start from scratch, don't you think? Just kind of build, like maybe. I mean, it's not what anybody wants to hear because then you you are at the beginning of a rebuilding process, right? Because you're going to get a ton of draft picks, I would assume, and maybe not the greatest players in return. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just uh, just depending on a guy who plays forty games, you know, like, I don't. I, that that ain't going to get it done. And AD's not going to want to do that. You know, he'll probably start looking at Chicago being like, okay, uh, can you trade me up there, please? But um, I would just say, you know what? I mean, that's the extreme, you know, possibility, which which is probably not even a possibility. But um, competent moves. Shit that makes sense. How about that? Let's just put that in like that. I'll put that as my Twitter name. Shit that makes sense. You're asking for too much, man. <laughs> just competency for you know a franchise that's so successful, man. I just I don't understand why it's so difficult to make intelligent moves. I mean, it, uh, um, look at your, uh, you gotta look at your decision makers and ownership for that, my man. Well, yeah, true. You're asking then, way too much out of the rambi right there. <laughs> the the what the rambi <laughs> the rambi yeah the rambuses together they are the rambi. Oh man, I don't I don't know, man. Because I I just don't see a great coach coming in. I don't see, you know, anything substantial coming back enough to where they're going to be able to contend. 
it's just tough. It's just tough to see a, a, a smooth road ahead or at least anything back to like prominence, you know, especially with, with teams just getting better and younger. Like that's scary, man. You look at the playoffs now, all these guys are young. You know, with the exception of a few, like Chris Paul, you know, but even even if Chris Paul was gone from the, the, the Suns, they'd still be a solid team, or at least, you know, maybe not a title contender, but they'd be, you know, in running. Um, I don't know, man. It's really tough. Like I said, it's small margin for error. Get, get a decent coach that I guess LeBron is cool with, and and as much as you can for Westbrook in return. And try it one more time with AD, and if it don't work, then then I don't think you're going to have a choice to blow it up if LeBron doesn't sign the extension, right? I so. I think that's that's probably correct. Like if if LeBron doesn't sign the extension and he bolts in 2023, then you are entering a, a rebuild. You're and you're probably looking at trading Anthony Davis, and and the Pelicans celebrate. They go wild because they have the Lakers 2024 or 2025 draft picks, but. I'll tell you what I want to see, and this kind of echoes what Brian is saying. I'd like to see the Lakers win a trade. <laughs> just just win a That'd trade. Like nice. <laughs> even and I'm talking about strictly from a value perspective. When was the last time the Lakers won a trade? I think maybe the Dennis Schroeder trade, which we know didn't work in the long run, but at the time of that trade, I thought that was pretty good value. But that's probably the closest. We've seen a lot of trades where the Lakers have objectively lost. I mean, look, they won a championship. So I consider the Anthony Davis trade a win, but I didn't feel like at the time, value-wise, like when the trade went down, I didn't think, oh my gosh, the Lakers got a steal here. Wow, they really pulled one over. I want to see the Lakers do a deal where they wind up with Norman Powell and Robert Covington and everybody around the league is going, how the hell did they do that? They didn't even give up anything. I'd like to see the Lakers front office win a trade because it feels like it hasn't happened in a long, long time. The, or, the or maybe it, from Paul Gasol, man. <laughs> yeah, but I would say, what about a trade that 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 lasts longer than a couple years, right? It lasts longer than a couple years of success, like something that'll last five years, or maybe just there's a long term plan and not just flash in the pan, right? Sure. They always Can go I, for that home run, right? Rather than you know just hitting a couple doubles and. And then a few singles, right? Just to get to that point where they they can stack it up and just be great for a decade. You know, they're they're never good for a long period of time now. It's always these two years, three years, and then done. You know, back to the drawing board. Sustainability would be would be nice. All right, everybody. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there. Appreciate everybody who was coming in here and listening. All of you joining us. And I uh, appreciate certainly all the guys coming in from Lakers Nation, Ryan Ward, Daniel Starkand, uh, Matt the Optimist Peralta, Sean Davis. Thanks, guys, for, for coming in here and joining. Thanks for no having problem, me. Man. Thank you. Of course, man. All right. And everybody out there, make sure you are subscribing to all of these guys, Ryan, Daniel, Matt, and Sean. Make sure you're also following the Lakers Nation account, which I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're probably following it. Uh, and make sure that you, if you are also, in the over on YouTube, that you're following the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Listen to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm going to post the audio from this as a podcast. So that'll be out there on our podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And head over to LakersNation.com for all your latest breaking Lakers news. Thanks again, everybody. We'll do this again next week. See ya and stay safe.